What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of uh, Police Off the Cuff After Hours with your host, me, Mark DeMeo. Tonight, I have a great guest. I'm very excited to have him on. He's a retired NYPD sergeant, served 20 years. Uh, now he's uh, went on to become a comedian, an actor, also a real estate agent. What's up, Frank Fela, right? Frank Fela? Yeah. Yes, that's right. How are you, Mark? Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, it's great to have you on. Frank. I was, uh, I was looking at your pictures, you know, in the intro, uh, and um, you look like a young Tom Hanks there. Oh, uh, yeah, I don't know which one you're talking about, but um, I... um, yeah, I don't know which one. It was in the uniform, but uh, you look like a young Tom Hanks. I feel like when I'm talking, there's an echo. I don't hear one. I hear that. Who's talking in the background on your side? Oh, can I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go, yeah, of course. What's up, everybody? Let's see who's in the chat. It's going to be a great show. Okay, taken care of. All right, let's say hi to the people in the chat, Frank. If you want to look, um, there's a comment section. You can press on that comment, and you can see the people that are in the chat. Oh, look at this. Yeah, we'll start off by saying uh, we, we do it almost like a roll call. Okay. You know, since we are a police show. Yes. So uh, we're going to start the roll call off by saying uh, welcome, have a safe tour. And uh, Joe Parnell and uh, Milwaukee Civilian. You got Sector Adam Boy. What's up, Milwaukee Civilian? Jersey Devil. Let's oh. see what it says. Having a sense of humor is a requirement to wear the badge. Otherwise, you would lose your mind. Absolutely. Yeah, I think totally. I can speak for Frank there. We both agree. Yes. Raquela Pranzo. Hi, Raquela. How are you? Good evening, Mark and Frank. She says, waiting for some belly laughs. I, hope I don't know about the laughs, but I got a belly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Jersey Devil. Uh, Judith Lyons. She says, hello, everybody. Peter Pranzo. Raquel's husband and of uh, Harlem Raiders fame. Peter Pranzo's in the house. He uh, says Peter. hello. Yes. Lorna McKenzie's here. Yona Rudder. Joyce E.T. Ruth Ann Griffin. People are going to keep popping in here. Uh, so uh, Little Texan. Hi, that from Dallas. Nice. Anthony Santoro. Good evening, gentlemen, he says. Hi, Anthony. S. CCC. Hello, all. Hello, SCCC. And uh, I think we got everybody covered right now. Oh, there goes Alicia B. What's up, Alicia B? So, so Frank, how long you been? Uh, when did you retire? Now I retired in um, 2011. So I'm out. Uh, I'm out 11 years um, this month. Uh, last month I was out 11 years. So you did the 20 and out. 20, I actually did 20 in a day, so uh, so I, I did over 20 years, as I like to say. <laughs> that was good. Um, was, there, was there a reason why you just did the 20? Was it to pursue the comedy thing and the acting thing? Uh, I'd like to say yes, but no. I just um, I just remember going to work one night. I was working in Midtown South, and I was working a um, 7 at night till 4 in the morning tour. I was the, the impact sergeant, so I was dealing with the rookies, and I – was standing on the corner of 45th and 7th. I, I looked around and I said, I don't want to do this anymore. So wow. I, yeah. And then I struggled with the retirement for about uh, for about a month or so, um, going back and forth. I'm going to retire. I'm not going to retire. My wife finally said, just make a decision and do it. You know, mm -hmm. uh, so which um, 
should have been a red flag because she ran off to work as soon as I got here and left me with the kids. So, how old are the kids? Um, at that time they were um, eleven and seven. Mm-hmm. So now they're uh, twenty-two and seventeen. So, oh, that's great. Those are. Uh, Bill Ryan's here from Ryan Investigative Group. What's up, Bill? Glad to have you. Okay, so let's start off with the seven seven because when you you came on in nine, uh, you came on the year before me in ninety one, and then you went to the seven seven, which at the time uh, was what we call a shithole. Yes, yes, it was it horrible, was. man. I mean, I don't know really. Uh, you'd have to show me hard evidence, like in numbers wise. It feels like the crime is skyrocketing now. Only, I guess, maybe it's because we have so much access to um, immediate. Like, I have ten ten wins on my phone, Odyssey, so I get up to the minute uh, notifications on crime that are happening all over the city. You have that other app. It's called uh, was called Citizens App. Yeah. Where he and then you know social media, or. But back then, we didn't have all that stuff. But we knew that the crime was bad. I wonder, is is you think it's as bad? I don't think it's as bad yet as it was back then. I don't think it was as, it's as bad now. I think it's a little different. Like, it's 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 bad now, but I think it's different. I think it's more, um, uh, I mean, I was in the city just, just over the past weekend. It, it seems to be more quality of life stuff, you know. Um, uh, um, yeah, obviously, they're, they're shooting at the cops, and, and, and there's a lot of stuff going on. Um, but I, yeah, I agree with you. I, I just, I mean, the seven, seven is probably roughly two square miles. Mm-hmm. And my first year there, we had 105 homicides. We were second only to the 75, which is seven, five is, is tremendous. It goes from, from the bell parkway all the way into, into Ridgewood Queens. So, you know, to have 105 homicides, 104 homicides is, is a lot. In that two, two mile yeah. radius of a, that is fascinating. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, and and you were how did you handle that as a rookie? Well, I was fortunate because I came over from EMS. So I, I uh, you know, the culture shock that, that most people would have uh, felt um, I didn't have because I came from EMS. And, you know, um, he just kind of took it in stride. It just it was the, it was the neighborhood. It was the times. And, and you just uh, didn't give it too much thought. I do remember, though, I, just, just on, a, on a quick aside, um, I remember I used to work on Wall Street and I used to go in with my dad. I worked with my dad and, and he said to me, he goes, he goes, if there's ever going to be a problem on the train, it's going to be in the Penn Station line. So I want to show you how to get to work through Brooklyn. And, and we're going through Brooklyn and, uh, and it's the Long Island Railroad is elevated. And I'm looking out the window of the train. I'm going, man, what a shit. Who the fuck <laughs> work here? And then lo and behold, uh, uh, probably what, uh, that was um, 85. So, um, I'm sorry, 80. So, so about seven or eight years later, I was there. Uh-huh. <laughs> I guess I'm the one that's working here. You mentioned something that was interesting. You said um, that you worked for EMS, so you had an idea of what it was like there. And you grew up, you, we, we, we joked about this before we went on air. You, you were born in Astoria, and then you Correct. made the mistake of telling me that you're from Astoria, yes. but then you moved when you were three. And I, I, I just go crazy when people say that. I'm like, what do you mean you moved when you were three? How does anybody remember when they moved at three? But anyway, so, um, but now you then you moved to Long Island yep. with your family? Yep. Uh, what, uh, so we live in Merrick. Um, okay. I'm, I'm not afraid to say it. And, uh, and I've been in Merrick now for 52 years. All right. So my point is this: is just that because you worked at EMS, you had a kind of sort of familiar with what you were getting involved in. Yeah. When I was in the academy, which was the year after you, I, I came on in '92. Uh, there was a 
there was a, a guy, a kid in my company, a guy named Mickey Burns. And ah, um, Mickey. I know Mickey. And uh, he was in my company. And I'll never forget the day that we got, we, it was our graduation day. We were going to find out where we were going. We were in the basement, the bowels of Madison Square Garden when they gave us our assignment. And I remember Mickey had a dad who was a first grade detective. So naturally, you're going to use that hook to go somewhere and uh, somewhere other than the 7-7. And then when the when we got our um, when we got our assignments, I wound up getting the 102, which was a great place to start out. It was a little busy. You know, so Queens to travel. The commute wasn't bad. It was a 10 minute ride from my house. It was perfect. And uh, and uh, Mickey got the 7-7. And um, I'm looking at him, and he was against one of these beams that hold up Madison Square Garden. Like, and he had just all the the life had left his body. He sunk down, and he was like in a, like this squat position with his hands in his with his hands in his thing. And uh, we were like, "Mickey, you all right, man? You all right?" And you know, we were talking to him, trying to console him. Don't worry, it's going to be okay. And this is uh, Mickey's. He's a white kid with freckles. You know, he looks uh, like you know uh, East Cupcake. Yes. And um, wouldn't you know it, I went through, I don't know, five or six commands on the job. I was in the 102. I quickly went to the Queen's Task Force. From there, I started. I went to the Warren Squad, the 2-4 Squad, the 2-6 Squad. I worked for the Chief of Department. Would you know that Mickey Burns never left the 7-7 until the end when he got into homicide? He, was, he, was, he became a great uniform cop, so great that they put him in anti-crime. He was so good in anti-crime. They brought him up to the squad. He was so good at the squad that they put him in, in homicide. Yeah. And uh, it's just amazing the way it all turned out. It's just yeah, something uh, about those c commands, because I also um, that actually same thing happened. It caused a little bit of rift between my father and, and my uncle, his brother, because my uncle um, uh, was retired uh, Brooklyn South homicide. Um, and he was supposed to pull some strings or whatever you want to call it, make a hook and get me over to the Queens and that didn't work. And, and my father was, you know, but my uncle had no control, but he, he can only control what he can control. He, you know, mm -hmm. and the, as, as he said, the further you're retired, the less uh, juice you have. Yeah. Um, but I ended up staying in the seven, seven for 15 years. Um, and I remember I had five years on and um, five or six years on. And I had a sergeant tell me, you've been here for about three years too long. You know, he says, you got to commands like that. They, you know, you don't stick around, but, I stayed 15 years until I got promoted. <laughs> it's it's weird. It's hard to explain. But he turned out to be, it made him a phenomenal police officer. I mean, and, you know, just. Um... Well, that's what it is, you know. And when I ended up going to the 5th and, and, and going to Midtown South, um, all great cops, but different, you know. Um, uh, and and I, I, I credit my time in the 7-7 would help me uh, with being a boss, you know. Uh, whether I was a good boss or not, you'd have to ask the people that I supervised. Uh, but here's my motto. If I was a good boss or an asshole of a boss and it inspired you to get promoted, you're welcome. <laughs> well, you know, when you walk around, when you when you work in those commands, you walk around like nobody could mess with you. I mean, you've seen wow. you're just so much better than everybody else. Rodney Gutierrez. Um, I mean, I spent you. I I, I said your name wrong, Rodney. I'm sorry. Hey, Mark. Just letting you know, Frank and I were cops together in the seven yeah. seven. Hope all is well, guys. Yes. Yeah, I, I met. Know I know Rodney. Rodney. Yes, Rodney's a good guy. I spent time. You know, I, early on in my comedy career, 
I used to do a lot of shows in Brooklyn at a lot of these bars, almost like uh, the setting that we're in here, this after hours lounge that we're in. Yes. And uh, Ronnie used to come to the shows and we used to hang out and have fun. And um, those were the days back then, early yeah. on in comedy. You know, it's also um, when you work in a place like the 7 7, they didn't hassle you too much, meaning the bosses, um, because they were just happy you showed up to work, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so you went to work. You, they, they, as long as you did your job, they pretty much left you alone. They, they, they weren't, um, they weren't hounding you. I mean, there was always a boss or two that would, that would uh, do that, but you know, he just had to do what he had to do. Yeah, and also too, uh, you know, people coming in from out, from outside. Um, what are they, not the, not the, not the shoe fly, but other, other people. You know, these other. Um, not a not a IAB either. Just uh, you know, from the borough coming down oh, and, doing and um, yeah, doing inspections and stuff like that. You know, if if you're doing that and you come to the seven seven and you start breaking balls about you know white socks or some nonsense or this guy didn't shave, they'd be like, get the fuck out of here, bro. Right, right. Go back to the borough. Get out of right. here. Go go back inside. Go answer a phone. They tell right. you right to your face. Go answer a phone. You know, and and you know. It's just, I, listen, everyone had their job to do, I guess. But like you said, you come to the 7-7, you're worried about white socks or uh, or a T-shirt that's that's above your vest. You know, we're supposed mm -hmm. to wear the, uh, the V-necks. You really, that's that's what you're worried about, you know. And um, then you went to the 5th. What was that before, after you got promoted? Yeah, when I got promoted in 2006, I went to, um, to Chinatown. Um, I'd always wanted to work in Manhattan. Um, so I actually... Um, Chief Marino, he was he was the uh, the CEO of the Seven Seven for a while, um, so I reached out to him because I really wanted to go to Midtown South, and he said he goes I don't have that kind of juice. Mm -hmm. He said I could probably get you to the fifth. I said I'll take it, and uh, I went there for uh, about two and a half years. Good cops, good place to work, um, and uh, I had I I enjoyed that there as well. How do you think those rookies feel that were standing with you on 47th and uh, wherever when you go? Uh, you probably said it to yourself, but I don't want to do this anymore. And they were rookies in uh, impact. Wait a minute. The boss just bailed out on us. <laughs> um, I actually was standing there by myself because, um, uh, uh, but, but yeah, I, I could imagine, uh, you know, I, you, I could imagine if I would have said it out loud, they would have been like, what do you, what do you uh, mean you don't want to do this anymore? Um, you know, and I, and I would look at them like, man, I'm coming to an end and you guys are just starting. And I think of that, that 20 year grind, you know, it, what is it? After 10, after 10, things start to move quicker. And then mm -hmm. once you hit 15, they really move. But, uh, you know, I just, I used to get, uh, I, I remember like when I worked four to 12s in the seven, seven, I'd be going to work and you'd see the traffic coming home from the city. And then, and then you try the day tours and, and, you know, then I would try midnights for a little bit to see. Just, just to, just to bounce around. Um, the seven I, seven always sucked. Twenty four hours a day, right? It did. It did. <laughs> you know, I did the dry heat. I remember getting off the um, getting off the Jackie Robinson, which you know, the, the Interborough, which is what what I remember it as. And I'd get to like uh, uh, Pennsylvania Avenue or whatever, and I just start to get the dry heaves. I'm like, man, you know, um, what's gonna happen tonight, right? Right. And uh, you know, but I used to get that with EMS too. You know, because I with EMS, I never took any vacation and. Um, didn't take much time off. It was a job I absolutely loved. Uh -huh. um, but the same thing, I would just get the, um, you know, we would take uh, take E days. They called them, uh, we didn't call them E days in, in um, well, they might have called them E days in the EMS. I don't remember. But I would take time off here and there, um, you know, because you couldn't say mental health day because then they would, uh, uh, 
they would send you for evaluation. So. Isn't that funny that that's such a common saying now? Yeah. Admitting that you're mentally weak is so, so common. We see it every day. You watch professional sports. Uh, Simone Biles bailing out. Then the other one, uh, Ascana, the, the tennis player. Somebody tells her she sucks. She, she starts crying on the court. All these players. Um, this guy from the Nets, he can't he can't play two games back to back because uh, he's got to either fight uh, oppression or or fight the COVID. It's it's yeah. people are just they got no I, mental strength anymore. You know, I, I agree. And, and listen, those. I'm an advocate for mental health. So anyone that needs help or needs, listen, you could reach out to me on Facebook. If you need to talk to somebody, you don't Mm -hmm. know me, I'm going to, I'll sit and I'll listen to you. But I I see this all the time, especially on Facebook. People, they need attention and they, they are just weak. It's like, um, you know, and, and, and they show weakness over, over weird little things. And I guess sometimes little things that get, but you know, it's always the, um, I, um, I can't take it anymore, but don't contact me. I don't want to talk about it. Well, then why are you putting it out on Facebook? I know. I know. Something really bad happened, but I can't talk about it. So just yeah, get the fuck out of here. And not only that, but um, what was I going to say? Um, I have no problem with people. With, uh, if you have a mental illness, I'll help you any way I can. You know what I'm saying? I've I've had friends with mental illness. I saved my friend's life. He tried to commit, it, uh, commit suicide. I made the mistake of calling me. I'm like, really? I'm I'm the guy you went to. Right. <laughs> you trusted me? <laughs> How dare you? But um, uh, it's we're, we're talking about like uh, when you had a mental illness when we were growing up or something, anything that was wrong with you, you, you never told anybody. It was always no. in house, private with the family. If you never talked out of turn. Uh, about something like that. Now you meet people and be like, hey, Frank, what's up, buddy? Yeah, man, I just came from the therapist right now. I'm struggling with this bipolar and I got this, like, I'm giving you my whole, every every right. weakness that I have right up front. Right, right. Yeah. I don't, I don't Why would it. you do that? You know, uh, I, I don't I don't get it um, either. Uh, you know, again, embrace it. It's who you are uh, uh, and get the help that you need, but you don't have to broadcast. And it just seems that, it, you know, I remember I was older, obviously, in the 90s, uh, when when AD, ADD and everyone was and to give your kid Ritalin was like a badge of honor. Yeah. Uh, so, and, and and you know, I'm not necessarily sure if, if uh, some people say I have ADD uh, because I bounce around from different thing to different thing. I don't even know if ADD is really a real thing or not. I'm mm. not going to get into it. I'm not a therapist. So if anyone has it, I'm not looking to offend you. I'm just saying is sometimes I just think that um, <clears throat> people like to have something. Uh, because it, it fits the narrative now, you know, uh, back when, when everyone was coming out saying they were molested and all these, mm-hmm. these, uh, actors and, and, uh, Oprah suddenly came out and said, she, I don't, and I, listen, if she was, I'm sorry that it happened, but I don't necessarily believe them. It, it seems like they, like they're jumping on it because that's what's in the news now. And they want to be, you know, the only bad publicity is no publicity, right? Yeah. So, Milwaukee um, civilian says I've been impotent for years. Thanks for sharing that Milwaukee. Okay. Uh, well, yeah. uh, that would be hard for you to handle. Um, <laughs> See? <laughs> Good one. Little Texan, people born in the 80s on can't deal with life. Yeah, they, they, they're a big bunch of whiners and complainers, I'll tell you that. Okay, everything's everything. Time. I'm sorry, go ahead. Finish. Everything is just uh, suck it up. Remember, remember, rub some dirt on it. Yes, yes. You know, you got hit in the you got hit with a baseball. Your parents. Well, who are your coach? Says, hey, yeah, rub some dirt on it. It doesn't hurt. Yes, it does hurt, but you don't show that it hurts. 
Uh, but 80s, I think that was a time when, when, the, when the parental thing was to be your kid's friend. You know, I'm going to be friends with them. You know, no, mm. no, I'm not going to be friends with you. That's but, a horrible yeah. idea. Yes, of course it is. You know what? I'm going to try. You know, to- now my son's 22. Um, it's a different, uh, you know, we are more of friendly. Uh, uh, of course, he still doesn't listen to me, but, uh, you know, he's 22. He's got to make his own mistakes. I'm changing something right now. Okay. Oh, my audio. For some reason, I hear myself talking. Do you still hear me? I do. Okay, good. Maybe it's better. Look, Angel is on the on the yo. Que pasa? What's up, Angel? I do the show on on Monday nights with Angel. Oh, okay. And, uh, that's my my uh, my partner on Monday nights. We no, do a I show. Do we do a show called uh, what's the name of it again, Angel? <laughs> Alicia B, my father used to say to me, suck it up, cupcake. Get back into the game. Yep. Right. That's exactly what it was. So much for coddling. That's what she says, and it worked. It made you tougher. Judith Lyons. That's the difference between Gen X and the millennials. It sure is. So um, you said once you came up with the idea to retire that you struggled with it for about a month before you actually went through with it. Yeah. And then I actually went through... I, I, I retired. I became a realtor, um, and I didn't take to it right away. You know, uh, everyone thinks being, doing real estate is 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 easy, and it's it's not hard. I will tell you that, but it's not easy. You don't just you know you tell all your friends you're a real estate agent. They don't call you up and say, "Can you list my house?" Uh, usually, they tell you, "Oh, I went with somebody else. Uh, I forgot." You know, or mm-hmm. um, but I actually struggled um, uh, shortly thereafter. I, I did go through a little bit of a depression because. Um, I didn't know who I was anymore. I, I lost my identity. You know, for 20 years, I was Officer Fiella, Sergeant Fiella. Now I'm just Frank. And, and I, 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 just, I went through a little bit of a, of a depression. Um, and my wife said, are you ever going to go back to work? I was laying on the couch. I said, I don't know. And I did contemplate going back to the job. I, I was thinking about it for a quick minute. A lot of people used to. Um, yeah, this uh, Milwaukee civilian is really funny. Hold on one second. He says, "At Angel Machinet, are you mentally tough or are you like Mark?" <laughs> <laughs> I got to meet this guy, man. He's yeah, he's he, he, got a lot, he got a lot of zingers. This Milwaukee civilian person. Yes. Alicia B. Retirement is difficult. That is when you find out how much of your identity is tied to work. That is Absolutely, a true statement. Right, but you know what? But then I, I was proud because after I found my groove and I and I started doing the uh, the comedy and I was hitting it with the real estate, I I'm, I'm into old cars. I have an old muscle car. Um, I can't. What fix do you it, got? I have a '72 Nova. Um, oh, Nova. I can't work on it. I, I could barely turn a screwdriver, but but I have one. Uh, uh-huh. People used to say, guys used to contact me and say, so and so is is thinking about retiring. He's going to call you because they would tell them. Like they say, I don't know if I should retire. They say, go, go look what Frank Fiel is doing, you know, because I, I was out there doing stuff and, and, you know, I, I hit my stride after retiring and, and, um, you know, there are days when I, when I wish I was still on the job. Uh, you know, again, what do they say? You, you miss the clowns, not the circus, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, but I'm having a good time now, you know, I'm in place. Well, yeah. I mean, you've been out for a while. You've been out for uh, 11 years. I'm going to, yeah. I'm approaching my 10th year out. In June, JT is FTB. Many have failed at retirement, went back. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Angel Masonette says, let's race, Frank. What does he Uh, got? Angel, what do you got? uh, He's got got the uh, Hellcat. He's got a new one, though. 
Oh, he probably yeah. has a. You have a little launch in there, Angel. You. Yeah, he's probably got eight hundred. You're not allowed to use the launch. Yeah, he's. Uh, I have a, a Angel. For what it's worth, I got a three eighty three stroke of pushing about four hundred fifty horsepower. So I, I think that you'll probably, uh, you'll, you'll, you'll probably take me. That sounds nice, though, man. That it is. Really it nice. is. It's fun. Um, you know. Peter Pranzo, thirty three years out. Wow. Wow, that's crazy. So, okay, so let's get back on track here. Um, you see, for me, the the transition to retirement was easy peasy, one, two, three, easy, because I was doing um, stand-up for 15 years while I was on the job, and I was acting before I started doing stand-up. I, okay. I started taking my first acting class when I had less than two years on the job. Wow. I was in the task force in the van, and uh, guys used to read Shakespeare with me. Really? <laughs> so, yeah, helping me. Wow, that's, uh, that's, that's good yeah, part. Yeah. <laughs> the first part I ever got on TV, I was still, uh, I had probably less than, maybe had five years on the job. Oh, very nice. Very nice. Yeah, so yeah. I always thought that I'd retire prematurely because um, that's the way I have sex as well. <laughs> but <laughs> no, I thought I'd retire prematurely because uh, I would, I would, you know, I'd get a gig on TV and, I, I never thought that I would make the 20. Everything was going so good. And then, uh, and then it's, it's just, it was never just good enough to retire. I was always right. just a little shy, a lot of comedy gigs and some acting. It was spurt, click, click, click going up the mountain. Right. And then, and then back down. I never got the, the over. So, um, but I mean, I, I luckily I, I have no regrets for for staying the twenty. But I wasn't gonna. Uh, I already had this other career already, you know, on on uh, you know, it was already up and running. You know what I'm saying? I, I knew how much money I could make doing comedy. And what happened with me was I thought that once I retired, that um, I could just you know do a little bit more comedy, and um fill in the gap between my and then that didn't really happen i got promises from both managers and agents that i worked with and it seemed like i still had holes in my calendar i'm like why do i have holes in my calendar if i can't afford this i need to work and i wanted to work uh as much as i possibly could but it just they weren't they weren't getting me in as much work as i needed to survive so then eventually at some point and my kids were uh, in high school at the time they were okay. starting maybe did they were they starting high school they were they were trying they were almost starting high school so i i still needed an abundance of money you know what i'm saying it wasn't just uh, uh the pension wasn't going to do it i had a lot of stuff but um and then i had to get like a little side gig too another job and then i got another job and then i wound up working in the police academy as an actor plus the comedy plus the acting gigs i got on tv so everything's worked out I, i'm not uh somebody called me the um the richest poor guy they know yeah you know i, I make a lot of money i just don't have any right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what did he say? Yes, Milwaukee, very old, yet Alicia hanging with Raquel at 53 years. God bless you. Nice. God bless you. Nice. So, so um, you retired and you started with the real estate agent. You said you said that um, you thought that mo- a lot of you probably had this idea the way people have a restaurant or a club, a nightclub or something like that, where 
ah, all I need to do is have all my friends come and the place will be packed all the time. Exactly. Exactly. But then you end up giving everything away. So they're only showing up because you're giving them everything. You know, my wife and I actually used to own a, uh, own a bar uh, here in Merrick. Um, and uh, so when I retired, we were going to, we, we had found someone that was going to, we had sold it. We got it back because, um, but then we, we wanted a long-term lease and the, and the landlord wouldn't give it to us. Um, and the place, so we had, we had um, a guy that I had met that was um, the manager of BB um, King's um, lived in Belmore, which is one town over from me. And he was going to um, consider investing in, in, in the bar and show us how to do the, what they call the back of the house, which is the food and, and, and the stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but then he the was landlord, like that guy from the TV show. Uh, well, not quite, but yes, yes. What's the guy um, called the bar fixer? Something uh, like yeah, that. Yeah. Um, um, bar, bar. I, I don't know. I hate that show. Um, uh, I can't stand that guy. Um, yeah, he's uh, pretty loud. That guy, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm sure he's a nice guy in real life and I know it's mm-hmm. all, uh, for television, but, but, uh, I'd be I would throw him out. You know, I, I'm I'm willing to listen to you. You don't have to yell in my face. You know. Maybe yeah, and tell me how shit, how shitty but, everything you know, is, and how much we suck. And, and, and actually, the funny thing was, is our bar wasn't that shitty because we sold more tap beer. Or, I'm sorry, we sold more tap beer in the area, second only to Mulcahy's. And if anyone knows Mulcahy's, that's yeah. a huge. I mean, we were a tiny little 1,800 square foot. So, so imagine the amount of of tap Budweiser that was going through our. Uh, that was going through the bar. So, so we were, that's it. Bar, bar rescue, right? Angel. Um, bar rescue. Was Mulcahy's the bar that we used to go to in Long Island when we were in the Academy? Uh, it's possible. It's right on, it's in Wontor. It's right underneath the train. Oh no, that's um, too far. Wontor for everybody. I remember there was a bar, man. It was a really good bar that we went to. We, we went there a couple of times, almost like the whole company. Yeah. It sounded like that might've been it. Anyway. I don't know. So, uh, so what, what made you think about doing stand up? Well, what happened was um, I um, I was very, very shy and introverted growing up. I couldn't like to talk to, to anybody, especially a girl or a woman, I would be in a panic. Um, and, and I fought very hard to overcome that. I had a, a friend of mine, Brian McCauley, uh, he's passed now from 9-11 cancer, but uh, we went to school together and, and he, he always did what he could to help bring out my... Um, my personality and stuff. And some say he created a monster because I really went a complete 180 from being the shy, quiet guy. Uh, but I had noticed my son, he was around 15 that he was exhibiting uh, shyness. So I, I wasn't going to have it. I was not going to have him go through what I went through. So we decided to take a stand. You say comedy. exhibiting shyness. What, 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 like what are the signs of this? Some well, of the signs I mean, of that? Um, he would get very quiet around people that he didn't know. Um, he, he didn't know what to say, um, you know, probably, you know, he just, you would just see that he would kind of, um, you know. He wasn't the same person. He wasn't the same, right. Um, so uh, I noticed that and, and I didn't want him to be the way I was. I mean, I, I really couldn't talk to anybody. Uh, and God forbid you gave me like a, a call me up to the blackboard, as, uh, you know, in the school. Um, so I decided, I said, let, and I always wanted to take the, the comedy class because I got started in comedy because I was, um and I apologize for this now. I, I was a heckler. I was the the joke enhancer. Uh, you would tell your joke and I would yell something out. And my firehouse, I told you I was a, volley, a volunteer fireman, um, uh, they would have a comedy night. And, and and one of the comedians, I went up afterwards and apologized. I said, listen, I said, I'm sorry. Who was it? I, I don't remember. It was, a, it was a female. I don't remember. 
Um, I wish I could, cause I don't even remember what year it was. Um, but she's like, you know, you're pretty funny. You should think about taking a comedy class. And from that, was, was, she, was she teaching a comedy class? No, she wasn't actually. So, uh, <laughs> I always um, tell people that when they tell me a joke. Really funny. You should take my comedy class. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I ended up going to um, stand-up university at the brokerage. Uh, Rich Walker, Peter Bales. Um, they, I know they, Peter very well. Not very yeah. well, but pretty. You know, we've yeah, done Peter, a ton of shows together. Yeah, and uh, and that's that's how we got started. So so Nick, my son Nick, and I took the class. Um, oh, you took it with your son. To oh get yeah, out of the shyness. Yeah. Um, and then uh, we actually took it twice uh, because we, we really enjoyed it. And uh, I reached out to a – he wasn't a friend at the time. He's a friend now. Uh, John John LaRocchia from Laughter Saves Lives. Um, I know, John. And uh, um, I told him I was a retired cop and that I just started comedy. And uh, I couldn't get him to put me on a show. And then and then um, he, he put me on a show. It was uh, – I think it was for the Johnny McNamara uh, Foundation. Um Johnny, John McNamara was a firefighter that, uh, um, I think he was killed in 9-11, but I, I, maybe something else. I think it was 9-11, but neither here nor there. And I remember John put me up. I had, I only had about five minutes, which was all I needed. And I could see when I went up there and I started to get the laughs, I could see John, he was beaming with pride, um, that he took a chance on me. Uh, so I've been working with him since, and then I, I get some other gigs. Most of my stuff is for charity and fundraisers. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to get into the clubs, as you know. Um, everything's bringer show now. And my son it was always up, like that. You see, that's funny because I talked to some guys way. like John and and um, uh, you know, I remember even as uh, I don't know if you know John Consoli. Um, yeah, John, John Consoli. He he was telling me like uh, at the time I've been in it about six years, but he said like 25, 30 years ago, you didn't do bringers. You went to the club. Um, I guess they had an open mic, uh, but if a if a if a club uh, booker liked you or if a headliner liked you, they took you under their wing and they would help you and and mm-hmm. and and uh, nurture your career, so to speak. Uh, but now you don't have that. Everything is uh, there's a lot of that. Yeah, you're right. Now I don't think you have it now. But like for example, when I started, there was open mics, and then once you did an, uh, uh, enough open mics, then you found something to do. You picked a club. You found something to do at that club. Either you were a bar back, you worked security, you were the bartender, you came in early and you you worked the phones. You did something for stage time. Okay. I remember for a New York comedy club, I used to sit in the USO on Saturday. Now, mind you, my son was just born. It was it was a uh, torture. I mean, just uh, I, I regret doing it now, but I used to in the USO. They have a, like a hotel in the city, the USO. And when they come in, the the retired soldiers, whatever, active, if they want something to do in the city and they wanted to go to a comedy club, my job was to steer them to go to the New York. And for that, I would get one spot, usually on a Tuesday night, after midnight. It was just um, yeah. a big pain in the ass, I'll tell you that. But it was one of the sacrifices that, that I made. So from then, now I'm a regular... Uh, I'm getting a spot at least once a week at the New York Comedy Club. And now I'm in there. So I'd I'd come in even when I wasn't booked just to hang out and in the hopes that I would get up. And that's where the check spot came in. So uh, at some point during the show, uh, the show's almost over. There's one more comic, the last guy. But before that, they have to drop the checks. And that's like the worst spot to get. So that's when, um, God bless her, may she rest in peace. Her name was Linda Cork. She was the manager of 
uh, New York Comedy Club, and Chris Murphy was usually the host. And Chris would be like, uh, we need somebody to do the check spot. And it would always be like me and maybe one, maybe two other comics that are trying to like hang out to get a spot. And Linda would look around. Back then you could smoke in the club. She goes, yeah. put the mayo up. She had this really scratchy, but put the mayo up. And I'd be like, oh, thanks, Linda. And here I was a cop, not using my uh, anything to to further my career that was police-wise. I wasn't throwing my weight around at all. I was just like everybody else. I wanted to be like that. And um, and then I'd get that spot. And then I would do – and I just started working those. Then I went to the uh, – but there was uh, – one night at, at, the, at the New York Comedy Club, I remember getting approached by Tommy Savitt and at the time Lisa Lampanelli. And Lisa, she wasn't famous yet. Um, and they, they, wow, you're so funny, this, that, and the other. And I'm like, my head is swelling up. Do you right. want to do a show at Caroline's? And my head swelling up. He'll be, yeah, of course. So, okay, we'll call you tomorrow. And then the, the, the next day, they both were on the phone with me talking about how he got to bring 30 people, 30 right. Caroline's. I was like, oh, I don't know if I can do that. So then I hung up and I started making a list of everybody that I knew that might come. And wouldn't you know it? I had 55 people show up. Oh, wow. Yeah, that was probably a couple of years into comedy. And then, um, wouldn't you know it? I passed that Caroline's. I nice. don't know how, but Louis Ferranda, who was the manager there, saw me that night. And, um, well, I know how, but uh, <laughs> we won't go into that now. But um, I, next thing you know, Tommy wasn't a regular there. And neither was Lisa at the time. But I right. became a regular there. And I started opening up for everybody. Carlos Mencia, David Tell, you name it. Oh wow! Yeah, I was there all the time, so I got I caught a break, and I was producing shows there too as well. So Caroline's became my home club for a while, but there was there was definitely bringers back then, uh, bringer shows. There were they weren't as um, now everybody's doing. Andy Engel used to have a um, right. a bringer show at the comic strip. There, that, there's one of the he, clubs. It's a six person bringer. I'm not going to say the club because I'm working on getting spots in there, and I don't want to. Because you're, you're working on getting your six people. Yeah, yeah, I'm working <laughs> on getting six. So anybody that wants to come, let me know. Um, yeah, no, uh, just to go to the open mic, you have to bring six people, and and to the open know. mic. Yes, yes, to the open mic. No way. Yes. And open, yes. Well, it's, oh, because they want an audience at their open yeah, mic. Audience. Our audience used to be the other comics, well, and if we were group. in a click, I'd sit and watch you. But right. you'd have the new, brand new spanking comic that didn't even have a chance to make friends yet. And then you'd have like maybe 10 or 15 people sitting there in the Gotham Comedy Club on, on um, at the time it was 21st Street. And then if they didn't know you, everybody got up and walked away. Now you're like, wait right. a minute, you're telling these jokes to yourself. Right, right. Because you weren't part of the clique yet. Yeah, there was one There was one producer, um, he, you know, he said, oh, I said, I, I said, it goes, is this a bringer show or is it legit? He goes, no, it's legit. And of course, he direct messages me on Facebook, and he and he says, he says, no, you got to bring uh, four to six people. Um, you know, I said, I said, wait a second, I said, isn't it better? I said, I already know I can make my friends laugh. Isn't it better if I can make other people's friends laugh? I said, what do I need to bring people for? And he's like, and I said, so then I said to him, go. I said, listen, I said, I'm not going to be able to do the show. He says, well, you can pay 40 bucks, uh, make up for not. I said, I'm not paying you 40 bucks plus a train ride plus dinner in the city. I'm not spending, you know, 150 bucks just to do seven minutes, you know. Um, and it wasn't even seven minutes, but, you know, maybe I was wrong for, for having that attitude. But, um, you know, I have no problems paying my dues, but, you know. Yeah, there's also people. producing shows where you could, uh, 
you know, that's another avenue. So once you realize I don't want to bring people, then you have to every bar you go into, every place you have dinner, you're like, oh, this would be a good place for a show. We could do you start putting the room together. We could put a stage right there. I get a so what happens is now I'm producing a show. I have a weekly show. Now you're producing a show somewhere else. So we'll swap spots. And before you know it, your spot could be at the comic strip on a uh, on a Sunday at five. Mine could be at some bar anywhere else. And then we're swapping spots and I'm getting, you know, you start getting up. Right. Milwaukee civilian says comedy is perhaps a more merciless profession than law enforcement. My friends in comedy scene in Chicago work harder than anyone I know. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, yeah, it's, 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 um, you know, when you become a cop, everybody is, um, is, you know, they got your back and in comedy, it's uh people are you know you have this common interest yeah. and when you first start going to the open mics you really uh you you make friends with everybody because you're all so excited to be part of this new community right but as you go further along and i remember tracy morgan taught me this valuable lesson he was coming off stage one night i was still fairly new in comedy he just killed the room and i was going up next to do the checks and uh as he walks past me he goes Hey, just so you know, this is an individual sport. I always wanted to do better than you. And I had, you know, because Tracy Morgan has a way of just telling you stuff that you didn't ask to hear. He just <laughs> got right in my face. Yo, this shit is an individual sport, son. I always want to do better than you. And then he walks out. Right. And then, um, but I took that to heart and I, I realized what he meant by that. And like all this, these little clicks and stuff like that, what we have here, it's not going to last for too much longer. You better start creating your own. Uh, right. Which which I quickly started doing and, and looking out for me at that point. And uh, the, the the Long Island comedy uh, scene is very very click. It's very you put me on your show, I put you on my show, and you'll see the same the same comedians working. Um, you know, the other problem is I have, and and it's 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 from having to been been a cop is I don't network, I don't mingle because I don't like people. You know, it's it's hard for me to, you know, um, it's it's hard for me to get out there and 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 mingle and socialize. Um, not because I'm not shy anymore, but I just, you know, um, a lot of the comedians are younger, uh, so I, I don't relate to their comedy. You know, yeah, that's old. a little difficult thing with the age gap. You know, um, but um, also I, I, too, like you said, the Long Island comedy scene is a lot different than uh, the city club scene. Yeah. When you go, when you're doing it in the city, the way I was, you're literally bouncing around. Like everybody leaves one spot. And then you're like, hey, can you sign me up at this place? Because we right. used to have legit open mics. You didn't have to pay. It was just an open mic. Right. But I, I had to go do another spot over here. So I signed you up over here. You'd sign me up over there. And we, our paths would cross. It, it was it was a beautiful little thing to be part of. And I really, really enjoyed the experience. I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world in the beginning. I wouldn't want to get stuck in that. I know people right. that I joke around calling professional open micers. Uh, still, you know, not now, but, uh, you know, 10 years in, uh, you know, I'm already getting paid and probably headlining shows and these guys are still doing open mics. Right. Right. I'm like, <laughs> I don't know if this is for you then at that point. Right. Um, right. Joyce T. Like, yeah, Joyce T. What'd you say? She says, I, I have a problem liking people too. Yeah. See, not, it's not just me, Joyce. Good. No, nah, I love, I love people, man. And you know, obviously there's people that get on my nerves and uh, I don't like right. bad energy, especially now as that I'm grown. I, if I don't like your energy, I stay away from you, but I do love people. Right. 
Um, I, you know, well, see, I always say that my wife laughs and she goes, no, you don't. He said, you're always the center of attention. You're always, uh, <laughs> you know, so, so maybe there's something, uh, uh, to it. Maybe I don't really dislike people. I just, maybe I'm just lazy, but I find that the, that the acting world is a little mm-hmm. bit more supportive than the, um, than the comedy world. Like, um, I think there's, um, and you've been doing the acting longer than me. You've been doing the comedy longer than me. I just find that that uh, the people in my acting classes, when when uh, they find out that you book something, they're they're very happy for you, very supportive. Mm-hmm. In the comedy world, you see, oh, why did he get that? Why didn't I get this? And, mm-hmm. You know. Um, yeah, that's where um, it gets a little. Uh, you're right about that. I mean, uh, for for example, if I know that they're casting, um, let's say the next last comic standing or something like that. I and you're my friend. I'll tell you, say, Frank. Just so you know, they're casting uh, another season right now. They're calling people in. You should send your stuff in. Shush, what? Right. You wait. Wait until somebody passes by because you don't want them to know. Right. Meanwhile, they probably freaking know already anyway because somebody right. told them. So, um, I, I hated that aspect of it. It's uh, it's not the way I operate. For me, I always wish nothing but I love competition. I always wish people the best. But in hindsight, if you're going to look at it as a business, uh, you know, this guy that I'm asking, you know, to put him on, he could take my spot. Right. You know what I'm saying? So I don't know if it's such a great idea in hindsight. But you mentioned the acting. And uh, I know you you just did a film. Um, I'm trying to think of the, the woman's name. She has her own show. Uh, t- oh, uh, Teresa. Teresa. Tea time yeah. with Teresa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She asked me to be on there. We're trying to figure out a date. Oh, she's a she's a sweetheart. She really is. She's a she's a very good comedian. She's she's a real character. Literally, um, she has different characters that she uses in her comedy and uh, and stuff. But uh, yeah, if you get a chance, you should go on her show. She she's really good. So we did a uh, that was a short. Uh, well, it's a full length. We had uh, just a quick scene that we were playing husband and wife um, for a movie called It's Love Bro, a little independent. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I started acting right after the comedy. I, I started doing the comedy. Uh, what did I say, about six or seven years ago. And shortly thereafter, I said, oh, let me give this uh, acting thing a try. And uh, I remember I went on the backstage and I auditioned, I submitted to audition for a movie. And it was before self-tapes and all that stuff. Um, so the guy, the director said, I'm going to do a, like a Zoom, not, it wasn't a Zoom, a, um, a FaceTime, FaceTime mm-hmm. uh, audition. And um, I, I send him all my stuff. He says, Thursday, six o'clock. I said, great. And I'm waiting there. I, I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I'm waiting for the phone call. I'm waiting. And I sit there and I go, holy shit, I forgot to give him my phone number when I sent him the email. Oh. So uh, I sent him the, a, a quick email saying, listen, I forgot to give you my phone number. And he wrote back saying, listen, I'm, I'm doing it. I'm doing auditions now. He says, I have a spot tomorrow. I'll, I'll, I'll give you a chance. So I ended up uh, booking it. It was um, a short, a short independent called Innate. And um, it was, uh, I played like a, a, it was like a superhero sci-fi movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a pretty cool premise. I was kind of hoping he would uh, eventually make it a full length. Um, so I ended up getting a lead in that. I'm, 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 I'm doing the audition. It's my first audition. I did my best to memorize the lines. And he says, all right, he says, uh, he says I'm going to stop the audition. And he says, so I think he's going to give me some feedback. He's like, you got the part. I'm like, really? <laughs> so mm-hmm. uh, uh, so that was my first, uh, my first movie, uh, first um, bit of acting. Um, although... It really wasn't because about 20 years prior to that, I was in a horror movie. It was my wedding video. <laughs> uh, 
Um, so, um, so yeah, that's how <laughs> I got started time. acting. And uh, when COVID hit, I started. That's when I really took it seriously. I started taking classes. I took, um, you know, audition classes, uh, uh, scene study classes, self tape classes, how to properly self tape. See, stand up is good because stand up you can practice every single day if right. you're lucky enough and you move along. Um, I used to get, you know, on any given night, three, four, five, six spots a night, five days a week, six days a week, sometimes seven. So you're just, you're, you know, you're getting better and better and better. You're doing your 10,000 man hours. Right. You know what I'm saying? And acting, if you're not doing anything in between parts, you got to stay in the class. You right. have to stay in the class. I'm lucky that I have the police academy that's back up again. I do, um, uh, the CIT crisis intervention okay. and uh, I do I do uh, I play several different parts um, how to handle mental illness that keeps me sharp for auditions the only problem is right now I lost my guy for audition so uh, I got to start looking uh, around for a new one Joy CT when you're doing a comedy routine do you find it difficult with content because people are so uptight now yeah. um I don't because all my humor is uh, making fun of myself and, and my wife. Um, so uh, so I, I don't really have a problem with that. I've been doing it through the whole time. So I, we constantly just making more adjustments as you go along. And then as I'm writing something or I'm doing something like, ah, I can't do that. I can't do that. But if you go back and you look at uh, some old stuff that I used to talk about, it, it would be completely unacceptable now. Right. With also with every comedian that's been doing it for a while. Um, I used to have a great bit about where I lived in Flushing. We had the best car accidents in the world, you know, and it was basically a bit on Asians. And you can't you can't do that now. And I wasn't even putting them down really that bad, but you can't do it now because people, you know, it's just um, no. they just changed just even the way I feel about it, like. I'm like I can't do that joke yeah. anymore. But you know what? It's it, it's not worth the aggravation of uh, of because uh, uh, truthfully, depending on how far you go with the joke, I really don't care if you're offended. Um, uh, if I you know. yeah, because people hear key words now, right? And they don't even bother listening to the joke. Right. Oh my God! Did you just mention abortion? And like, wait, wait a minute! Did you hear what I said? Did right. You, you see, and, you, and, what, they get the trigger word. And yeah. they're off to the races. They're assuming they don't even hear the end. And to those people, it's just like, I don't have to deal with this that much. Right. Um, and George Collin was like that. George Collin said, there's a difference between a rape joke and a joke about rape. Mm -hmm. And and um, um, I forget what the joke was. And if you look at it, it's not a it 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 was not an offensive joke. Cause if you, if you mm -hmm. look at it, it wasn't a joke about somebody getting raped. It was a joke about rape. And I, I can't, without knowing the joke, it's hard to explain the the difference in the context, but there is a difference between, between uh, making a joke about homosexuality and then making fun of homosexuals. It's two different things. Mm -hmm. Chris Russo, one, two, eight, one, six, taking a break, cleaning up the crime scene that I call my backyard. <laughs> oh, thank you for joining us. Milwaukee civilian, it's it's like you can't even say, yeah, some stuff. But yeah. like I said, you go along, you play along, and um, Peter Pranza, hey, Mark and Frank, I think it's easier yeah. to lock mopes up than comedy. Yeah. You know what I say that? I say it's interesting that I must be, I, I tell, I was thinking about this, I must be like a, a, a thrill seeker. My, fa my, my, my best time on the job that I had the most fun was when I was in warrants. 
and I liked yeah. it because it, it was uh, it was scary. Yes, um, we weren't Adrenaline, kicking right? down doors; we were knocking politely, getting knocking in. But like then they had a search on the beds and all this stuff. Somebody could be in a closet with a gun. I remember one time, my partner was in the next room. We used to do this two people. We didn't want nobody else. And sometimes you go into these uh, crack houses, uh, apartments, and there'd be like five or six people there. One guy just crawled out. Uh, and I remember a door fell. It wasn't on the hinges, the door, but my um, it was off the hinges, and it was this, you know, big door, and it just it fell, and it sounded like a gunshot. Pow! I'm like, oh man, fuck! So I, that's when I, I I got my gun out, and I said, um, you know, are you okay? Are you okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. It was the door. So uh, that's the you know that's like really really scary when you're doing it, but. I love that fear. I love the fear of going up to the rooftop, figuring out are we going to go down a fire escape, and then the fear of doing stand up. Yes, it's the it's, new adrenaline rush. It's the new yeah, adrenaline it's rush. A, uh, it's, a, it's a drug. It's a drug. Absolutely. And, and now you add that I, drug with some cocaine and some pot and some yes. some uh, loose. And I was just kidding. No, I, <laughs> Alicia B. Mark, you were you and Warren at the same time as Duty Ron? I don't know what exactly. Uh, we might have talked about this. I don't know which. We might have been, but I think he was in a different borough. I was in Manhattan Warrants. I think he was in, in Bronx Warrants or in Brooklyn Warrants. He wasn't in Manhattan, though. But we might have been at the same time. It was like, yeah, that was a lot of, look at how quick the time goes, man. I had, I a, I had a backup, I had a backup cop story um, that I wanted to talk about, but we'll, I'll save that for Monday. Um, let me plug your, uh, what do you got coming up here? This is funny. Uh, this is a show you got coming up here. I saw the flyer, so I brought it up. You're going to be at the Broadway Comedy Club, which is 318 West 53rd Street. What day are we looking at over here? The Look 29th at what, of May, Sunday. You know what's funny is the way people make up flyers. Sunday, May 29th should be prominent in my All the other stuff, legendary entertainment and the it's, it's the nonsense. I want to know what day and what time because when you make up this flyer, inevitably people are going to call you. Hey, we're thinking about coming. When is this show? It's on the flyer. Right. What time does it start? It's on the flyer. That's why we make a freaking flyer. And then when you tell people that, they're like, I'll forget it. I don't want to come and see you now. If you're going to have an attitude. Right. Well, it's like, fuck, I'm busy. I'm doing I'm, I'm doing my life. You want to come, come. It, right. it's, uh, that's why we make a flyer. It's all on the flyer. Right. They, so, they, yeah. So one more time with the date. It's Sunday, May 29th, uh, 8 p.m. at the Broadway Comedy Club in New York City. And uh, I got a couple of ones, too. That I want to promote. I think this one comes first. Saturday, May twenty first. I'm going to be at uh, in Staten Island. If you live in Staten Island, uh, Mike's Dakota Diner. I'm doing big things over there. Co-headlining with Chris Covert. Um, they got a big back room there, and they pack it in really nice. That's for my friend Vic. He he used to own the Looney Bin Comedy Club. Oh, I I performed there once. Yeah, he's a great guy. Remember Missy my... Allen? Did you know Missy Allen? Yeah, of course. Um, she, she was a friend of mine. She got me, uh, did she there. pass away or was that a lie? Uh, I'm, I'm hearing, I'm hearing both that it was a lie and, or that she, and she did pass away. I don't know. I know her. It, it would not shock me if it were her lie. Um, mm -hmm. but, uh, um, if she's still alive, I hope she's well. And if she's dead, I'm may she rest in peace. I don't know. She, <laughs> yeah. She was a, quite the character. Yes. And was. also too, if you live in Delaware, this one's coming up. Delaware. Wilmington, Delaware, um, comedy explosion. And this is kind of like a white boys in the hood show because um, 
Honest John, the person that you see forefront, uh, he was with me on uh, the TV show White Boys in the Hood on Showtime okay. many years ago. He's hilarious. Uh, Bill Scully, Kevin Lepka. We've been, they've been doing comedy for a number of years, too. That's Thursday. That's a Thursday, May 26th at the House of Laughs.com in Wilmington, Delaware. So those two dates are both up on my... Um, what is that? Somebody's playing an instrument, right? That's my clock. Oh, it's the clock again. Three minutes to the hour. Tell people the story about this. If it's, this is I, hilarious, it's, uh, why do you do that? It's a clock. I set it three. It's, it's set for three minutes. About three minutes fast, so I know that it's the top of the hour is coming up, and I can uh, whatever I got to do at the top of the hour. Get ready for the Yankee game, the Ranger game, the Jet game. Uh, can you imagine if everybody did that and they were like, you know what? Why don't we just move everything back three minutes? Then somebody else would have to say, well. I'm going to move it back three minutes now because everybody's using that time now. Right. right. And then we ju- we just keep going backwards and backwards. Right. right. Uh, let's uh, let's say goodbye to the people in the chat here. Uh, Girl Friday sounds like a clock. It was. Um, he he sets it three minutes earlier. Uh, Chris Russo one two eight one six. Hey Peter, how's it going? Uh, is that Chris Russo from Mike and the Mad Dog? I imagine that. Joy C T. Yankee game on soon. Yep. Uh, yeah, we're very excited about that. Well, you are. I'm. I'm hoping the Mets come back and win tonight. Yeah, I'm actually Jamie. after this event to an acting uh, workshop. So. Oh really? Where do you do that? Uh, online Zoom. It's a with a casting director. Okay. They have you read copy. Um. You supply the scene, and you then they give you a reader. Oh really? Yeah. And um, and then, uh, uh, you guess you can't really do much physical acting, huh? No, no, it's, everything's still online. Um, I do go. I wish they'd uh, stop with that shit already. What the fuck are people doing? Come on, man. Let's get a. You know, it's we're, we're dragging our ass over here. It's a cold at best right now. Right now, it's it's it's, it's a it's, cold it's, at best. But but it's it's a cold at best. I I, um, I, I mean, for crying out loud, you still see the people, man. It's like ugh. It just makes me crazy. I'm all for do you. You want to do you? You want to wear your mask? I got no problem with it. But um, I guess I do in a way. Uh, if anyone wants to practice uh, door breakdowns, I got a chicken coop that needs to come down. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah, yeah. I used to work with this guy, Stephen Warrens, man. And uh, this guy, he was a powerhouse. I remember we were playing basketball one day, and I ran into him, and I was all of 250. And I felt down like like nothing. That's how big this how strong this guy was. And he used to turn around and he used to put his hands on the wall like this and just do this donkey back kick. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah. Um and uh yeah, this we got in eventually. We got in. We buckled a couple of doors too. I won't be I'm honest. I'm sure. I'm sure. Uh Lisa B, I'm still mourning that big Swede and no longer with the Mets. Ah, screw him. He's an idiot, that guy. I'd rather have Scherzer anyway. And uh, these, she's talking about uh, Thor. The guy really thinks yeah. he's Thor. Uh, like in his mind, in his mind, he really thinks he's Thor. It's because yeah. you have long blonde hair. If you cut it, you're not Thor anymore. Right. right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Okay. Uh, I, I listen. I wish him the best. I hope he's doing okay. But I'm happy. With, I'm much happier with Serzer, and I hope hopefully the grandma come back, and then we'll see you guys in the uh, the World Series. That'd be nice. That's, That'd be fun. All right, so any parting words there, Frank? Um, other than thank you, I hope the audience was entertained. Uh, may may not have cracked as many jokes as you guys wanted, but uh, 
you know, uh, hope everybody had a good time. I really enjoyed myself. Uh, this, this was a lot of fun. I appreciate it. Mark. Yeah. But, yeah. This, uh, listen, you're always welcome on and you want to plug something, promote something, uh, keep doing as soon as I can. If I got anything coming up, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll see if we can put you on there. Great, you know, great. the other night I, I went out and I, I met with, um, Joe Badalamente, who uh, worked in Central Park as a cop and was also a comedian while he was on the job. And then also, too, John DeResta came out with us. And John DeResta was a transit cop who wrote a show, a one-man show. He got on TV. He was in Miss Congeniality. And uh, we all went out also with Steve Marshall. I don't know if you ever met Steve Marshall. Great, I love great. Steve Marshall. Everybody, everybody, everybody loves Steve Marshall. Okay, <laughs> so we went to Bell Boulevard. We had some Chinese food, and we really had a good time. It was a great, great laughs. And those two guys paved the way for, for me, for guys like you who wound up yep. doing it after they they retired. But those are the two guys that uh, that were ba basically really good working stand up comics while they were on the job. So yeah, um, yeah, it was a, that was a fun time. The pictures I have on Instagram and I have them on Facebook, and I also have the flyers for the show. Uh, that I'll, I'll be doing. If you're in Delaware, if you're in Jersey, if you're in Brooklyn this weekend, on Saturday night I'll be at the Eastville Comedy Club. Uh, both shows. So if you're interested, uh, reach out to me. Say hi. And in the meantime, to all the people that were in the chat tonight, thank you guys. We'll be back. Angel, Angel, and I will be back on Monday with a brand new. Uh, what's the name of that show again? I always, I can't see. It doesn't stick in my head. What the uh oh the week in crime and policing mayo with mayo and meso raquel says we're dipped in butter uh peter says great show guys best of luck frank good luck with Thank your you, shows peter. mark and if you're interested and you haven't yet and you want to join our patreon we'd love to have you patreon.com at uh, police off the cuff at patreon.com okay folks be safe have a fun weekend what's it yeah thursday's coming okay have a fun weekend god bless you thank you frank Thank you. Thank I you for appearing. It. You did a great job. Thank you. All right, everybody. Good night. Good night.